Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, now offering an online master's degree in teaching. A state license can be earned after the first summer semester with an opportunity to teach grades 7 through 12. The application deadline is March 1st. More information at education.olemiss.edu. Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the Gulf Coast is one step closer to a guarantee that it will keep all of the state's BP settlement money. That speaks volumes to uh, the understanding that people have. Hey, the coast was what was injured, and if we can make sure the coast is repaired and restored and made even better and, and bigger, the whole state thrives from that. So that's the important thing to remember. Then, learn what actions Mississippians can take to dramatically reduce heart attack risks. Plus, hear about an effort to provide much-needed dental care to poor Mississippians. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A bill to help Mississippi's capital city is working its way through the legislature. As MPB's Desiree Frazier explains, there's concern over who will oversee how the funds are spent. Senate Bill 2893 creates a state capital infrastructure fund to help the city of Jackson with desperately needed upgrades in the area around the capital. Drivers are constantly dodging potholes. Democratic Senator John Horn of Hines County estimates the fund will generate about $24 million by using 12.5% of the sales tax collected in Jackson. Horn says the city is losing needed property tax dollars. Uh, We have about $5.6 billion of of property owned by the state of Mississippi in the city of Jackson, in the capital city, and it's not subject to taxation. Horn's plan calls for the Department of Finance and Administration to administer the program and creates an 11-member advisory board. The mayor of Jackson appoints the chair and selects three members. The governor and lieutenant governor also make appointments. A similar bill in the House relies primarily on a five-member board that includes appointments by the governor and lieutenant governor. The mayor only appoints one person, which has generated criticism there will be less input from Jackson residents. Senator Horn. Well, I think the commission, uh, in many people's minds, smacks of the state having more control than the locals are willing to, to give up. House Republican John Reed of Gaucher chairs the Appropriations Committee. 
He says the bill isn't a done deal yet. Like I said, it's a long way from the finished product, so we don't know what the final composition is going to be. The House bill does have an 11-member advisory board that allows the mayor of Jackson to appoint three members. Both Senator John Horn and Representative John Reed believe the bills will pass their respective chambers. Desiree Frazier, MPB News. In other legislative news, Mississippi senators voted unanimously to create a fund for the BP oil spill payments to finance redevelopment projects on the Gulf Coast. Senate Bill 2634 would establish the Gulf Coast Restoration Reserve Fund. BP is paying Mississippi $750 million over 17 years for the 2010 um, Deepwater Horizon oil spill. Republican Senator Michael Watson of Jackson County spoke to Desiree Fraser. Well, we're, we're excited. Uh, obviously, it's um, a bill that's a reserve fund in the, in the state treasury. Uh, the, the language in the bill itself uh, ties the funds to projects that would benefit the Gulf Coast. Uh, so we're excited about it. Uh, it's, it's a good step forward. Uh, now, I, I want to make sure that we temper uh, our excitement uh, because there's a lot of work left to be done on that bill. Obviously, it goes down to the House now. And um, there's some other things that I think people are talking about down on the House end uh, to, to hopefully even make the bill better. Uh, that's, our, that's our hope. That's a, the exciting part for us. Uh, but what's really good for me and what's good for the coast, and not just the coast, the entire state, was a unanimous vote. That's incredible. That speaks volumes to uh, the understanding that people have, hey, the coast was what was injured. And if we can make sure the coast is repaired and restored and made even better and, and bigger, the whole state thrives from that. So that's the important thing to remember. What do you say to folks who say, yeah, we know that the coast suffered so much damage, but the needs around the state are so great. Can you peel off some of that money for some other areas? Well, look, I understand uh, it's, it's, it's government uh, typical style. If there's money out there, everybody wants a piece of it. Uh, so the understanding that people need to really grasp is the coast economy as a whole is still hurting. And people don't look at that. You know, they look at the numbers and say, oh, the coast is doing great. Wait a minute. Uh, compared to other parts of the state, we're still lagging a bit. And a big reason of that is because obviously you had the double hit, the Katrina and the oil spill. Those combined with the Great Recession, uh, you know, it's almost a three strikes in a sense. So the resiliency of the coast is something that's really, really important. And again, making the entire state understand if we can strengthen and make the coast even better and bigger and brighter, it's great for the entire state. So that's the long-term view that people, I hope people will take. You know, people will say, look, well, we lost uh, $10 here. We want to repair our water tower. Well, well, the question is, how did you get that money to start with? It was people that were coming to the coast, stopping in your hotels, stopping in your restaurants. If you think, again, short-term, well, yeah, give me my $10 so I can fix my water tower. But what if you think of long-term? Hey, we make the coast bigger, better, brighter. More people will come. More people will stop in your hotels. More people will stop in your restaurants more money for you. So that's the important thing, the long-range plan that we're trying to convince people that's the right thing to do for Mississippi. Do you have any projects in mind, some things that you want to see done with this money? You know, we've been very cautious, uh, again, to tell the entire coast as a whole, let's not talk about specific projects right now. What's important first is making sure we get this money in a parking space, and that's kind of what we're calling this bill. This is a parking space. How do we get that money from the parking space down to the coast? That's the next step. Once we get that accomplished, then yes, let's start talking about specific projects. But as a whole, the idea is, and, and the language in the bill, projects that benefit the Gulf Coast. We want big, bold projects that can, you know, in a sense, remake the face of the coast to make it even better, even brighter, as we talked about before. Because if you do that, again, it will draw more people from all over this country to come down to the Gulf Coast. And when they do that, they spend money elsewhere in other parts of the state 
on the way down. So, again, it's the long-term range thinking that I hope people will grasp. We knew we had, I think, uh, 32, 33 was the last number at some point last week. We thought the bill was coming up last week. Uh, so we had gotten the votes. We knew that there was a majority, a good, strong majority to vote for it. Um, I was a bit surprised. Uh, I thought there would be some dissenters. Uh, but, again, when you go back and you, you think, why do people support this? And if you can give them that picture and that understanding of the long-range plan, this is beneficial to the entire state. I think people are starting to grasp that. That's important. Governor Bryant has been incredible. Uh, came out very early on and said, hey, this is the coast's money. Let's make sure we spend it on the coast to, to make sure that they're better and brighter and moving forward in, in a great way. Um, Lieutenant Governor Reeves has come out and said the same thing. This money, the vast majority, should be spent on the coast. Um, I think it, it, one of the tips that I think I saw was when uh, the, the new chairman of appropriations was named, and John Reed from the coast. This bill will, will in my opinion, probably go through the appropriations uh, on the House side. I, I almost kind of think and hope that Speaker Gunn was tipping his hat just a little bit. Hey, coast, I understand. Um, I'm going to put the chairman of appropriations in place here. He's going to be able to help you when the bill comes down uh, to the House side. So that's my, that's my hope, that that was a bit of a hat tip. Uh, but, again, you go down to the, to the House and, and try to get them to have the understanding that, guys, this is going to be beneficial to you as well, long range. And again, the idea that, yeah, we represent different areas in the parts of the state, but you put that together as a whole. We also represent this entire state. So what's the best way forward for the entire state to benefit? And again, I think it's the long range plan. It's not just fixing the water tower. How do we get more people to all of these towns? And we drive them to the coast. One more piece of legislative information before we move on. Mississippi lawmakers say they expect to have a bill to fund public education ready before the end of the week. Legislators in the House and Senate passed placeholder bills to give them time to craft a measure using recommendations from the consulting firm Ed Build. That's the company hired to evaluate the state's current funding formula. Mike Waldrop is with the Mississippi School Boards Association. He says it's too soon to predict what the funding changes could mean for school districts. We're in the process of analyzing now all of the recommendations, and we really don't have any impact numbers right now, but as far as uh, the recommendations, until we've done a thorough analysis of that, it'd be hard for us to take an opinion, uh, take a position. Lawmakers say they won't raise the amount local districts pay above the current 27% cap. Of course, for a wrap-up of all the week's legislative news, tune in to MPB-TV for At Issue. It's Friday evenings at 7.30 on MPB-TV. Learn what actions Mississippians can take to dramatically reduce heart attack risks. That's next. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. As baby boomers age, Universal Design is transforming the look and feel of today's homes. On the next Fix It 101, Dale Moore from Affordable Solutions 601, Jeff Salmons from Housework, and Jason Klein will be here to take your questions and comments how to add a few touches that can make your home a baby boomer's dream. With a few modifications, older adults are staying in their current homes even longer. Join us on the next Fix It 101 today at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. 
Heart disease is Mississippi's leading cause of death, according to the State Department of Health. But Dr. Mike McMullen of the University of Mississippi Medical Center says there are some steps patients can take to dramatically lower their risk of dying from a heart attack. In the first of a series of National Heart Month conversations, Dr. McMullen tells MPB's Ezra Wall about heart disease and how to lower your risk. Certainly, the signs of an unhealthy heart that we typically look for in our patients are symptoms, symptoms such as chest pain, chest tightness, shortness of breath, heart racing, passing out spells, swelling in the legs, things like that. We can get an idea of the severity of those symptoms and the risk of heart disease by looking at risk factors of patients as well. So looking at their blood pressure, if they have diabetes, if they have high cholesterol, if there is heart disease in the family, if they smoke, uh, their body weight, if they exercise. So there are a lot of clues that we can use, and we also use the symptoms in trying to determine if they actually are having symptoms related to their heart. Um, when you're talking about things like uh, shortness of breath or, uh, you know, lightheadedness and stuff like that, are you talking about something in addition to just people who might have have exerted themselves or something like that? So you're talking about those symptoms in terms of somebody who's just going through the regular everyday course of life? So that's a great question, and that's exactly right. So obviously, if you have somebody who goes up five flights of stairs, they're going to have some shortness of breath. So what we're looking for is shortness of breath when someone should not be short of breath. So specifically, you know, if you're short of breath at rest, that's abnormal. If you're short of breath with minimal exertion, that's probably abnormal. If you are able to walk a certain route with your dog in the neighborhood every day for six months, and then all of a sudden you get short of breath doing it, that's a change and that's concerning to us. So there are different ways to look at shortness of breath, but you're exactly right. It is relative. Now, when we're talking about heart health, uh, you know, the heart disease term comes up a, a lot. Is Are those terms interchangeable or what exactly is heart disease? A heart disease is any sickness of the heart. And so therefore we want your heart to be healthy. So while not exactly the same. They do go along hand in hand. There are many types of heart disease. I will often explain to my patients that the heart is very similar to your house. It has a plumbing system. It has an electrical system. And either one of those or both of those can malfunction. So that's how we typically look at it when we are talking to our patients. What are the most important individual things that a patient can do on their own to maintain heart health? It's really important that patients take their own health into their own control. The American Heart Association will talk about life's simple steps and knowing your seven numbers, knowing your numbers. So, you know, it's very important that you know what your blood pressure is, that you know what your cholesterol numbers are, that you know what your blood sugar levels are. It's also important to be active and exercising, to watch what we eat. Obviously, in Mississippi, We lead the nation in obesity. We do not eat well here, and it's important to stay at a healthy weight. And then the seventh would be discontinuation of any smoking if that's an issue. So patients can take a lot of this under their own control. They do not need to depend on their doctors to do it. One of the things that I do with with my patients is I'll give them a scorecard. People like to, to be graded, right? So I'll break it down into five categories and give them 20 points for each one, and a perfect score is a 100. So the first two levels are blood pressure and cholesterol. And I feel like those are my grades I'm really grading because I'm treating them for their blood pressure and I'm treating them for their cholesterol. But the other three are things that are under their own control. So smoking, uh, weight, 
and exercise. And so I'll grade them on those three categories and let them know that those are areas they can work on themselves. How effective are lifestyle modifications like that in in reversing signs and symptoms of heart disease? Because I, I know some of these things can be hereditary. Blood pressure, for example, uh, kind of kind of uh, runs in some people's families. And so, you know, while diet and exercise might help alleviate some of that, some people are just going to have high blood pressure anyway. Statistics and science have looked at this and shown that anywhere between 80 to 90 percent of all heart attacks are preventable based on lifestyle changes regardless of what your genetics are. So we don't know everything and certainly genetics plays a role, but you have control over 80 to 90 percent of that risk of having a heart attack on your own. What are some of the signs and symptoms of those that people need to be looking out for if if some of these risks, risk factors are, uh, are, are part of life and people are worried that this might be happening to them? Very important to think about these, and it is typically described as tightness in the chest or pain in the chest. Pain is not a good word. Tightness or a squeezing is a better word. It often radiates to the left arm, sometimes up to the jaw. They'll become diaphoretic or sweaty even when they're just sitting still. Uh, They can certainly have some shortness of breath and some nausea and vomiting. Now, those are all the textbook symptoms, and they typically come on you at rest is when you should be concerned if you're having that. But, you know, women uh, in particular and even the elderly may often have very atypical signs and symptoms. So they don't always read the textbook. So you have to have, you know, a lower threshold of suspicion to try to catch it in that, those groups of people. Diabetics is another group where they don't typically have the typical chest tightness that comes along with it. We've been speaking with Dr. Mike McMullen, who's a professor of medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center and the director of the Adult Congenital Heart Disease Program there. Dr. McMullen, thank you very much for spending time with us today. Thank you, Ezra. I've really enjoyed it. Hear about an effort to provide much-needed dental care to poor Mississippians. That's next. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Today's Moment in Black History highlights Coolidge Ball, Being the first African-American athlete to play any sport at the University of Mississippi, Coolidge Ball is a trailblazer. I knew it was going to be that way. And uh, when I came here, I knew I was going to make history. My coach had recruited at the University of Mississippi at that time, uh, Kenneth Robin. And I really never thought about coming to the University of Mississippi until he came down to visit. We salute Coolidge Ball for making a path others could follow. This has been MPB's Moment in Black History. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is one of the worst states in the nation for oral health, according to a number of dental and consumer organizations. The University of Mississippi School of Dentistry is helping to tackle the problem with a new outreach. It's called Dental Mission Week. The school is reaching out to service organizations across the state and has set up appointments with needy Mississippians for everything from tooth cleaning to extraction and even providing some with dentures. Dr. Scott Phillips is with UMMC. He tells MPB Desiree Frazier how the process works when patients arrive. Uh, We're trying to get everybody in just to determine kind of what their chief complaint is and making sure that the chief complaint is is what they need and there's not something that's a greater need. Uh, So we're doing our triage here uh, and we're letting the patient know what we see and once we do that we uh, send them to the radiology so they can take x-rays and then from there they'll go to the different floors uh, and based on what their their request or their chief complaint is and what we find and, and think that may supersede that chief complaint, if there is something, uh, we'll get them taken care of. 
Are you seeing a lot of serious dental issues? Well, yeah, a lot of extraction so far, uh, a lot of, you know, periodontal or gum disease, uh, some decay. So we're doing that, and we've saw at least probably about 10 or 15 denture patients that we've had scheduled. Uh, so they'll be going and hopefully getting a, a, a set of dentures this week. It'll be multiple trips, but the end result will be uh, dentures. There's a great demand for this. There is. Uh, you know, we kind of focused our, our efforts on, on different missions and different uh, areas of need around the state. Uh, but, you know, there is a, a large unmet need uh, for dental in the in the state of Mississippi. So whatever little part we can play this week, you know, hopefully we can improve a little bit and, you know, and maybe this will be an annual event that, you know, we can do once a year and, and, and do our part to try to help out. So I understand you got people coming from as far as the Delta. Yes, I think there's a group coming from, I know, at least Greenwood. Uh, I've seen them from Monticello so far today. I know they're from different, you know, around the, the Jackson area. So uh, we, were, we opened up to anybody who could come as long as they were available and can make their time. Uh, we would do what we could to meet their needs. How does this make you feel? It's good. It's good to give back. Uh, everybody likes that feeling. You know, it's it's you know it's tough sometimes when you see things and you can't do it because money is an issue. And uh, when you get these people and they come in and you're able to uh, provide a service for them, it does get you make you feel good because you know, it, unfortunately, it's it's a, a service that you have to charge for in, in many cases. Uh, but being able to give back. Here, especially, you know, when you go out, say, uh, you take a mission and you go off to a a different country or you go off to a different area of the country and you're doing missions for a week, you know, you get that good feeling. But now this is more of a home feel because it's it's the state and and we're helping the people that may or may not be able to even afford it or, or have the resources to get here. Dr. Scott Phillips of the University of Mississippi School of Dentistry. George Ann Barnes came to Jackson on a Medicare transport all the way from Monticello. She says an oral surgery more than a year ago left her needing dentures, but she can't afford them. She spoke to our Desiree Fraser. Tell us, um, you're getting a set of dentures. Are you excited? I am. I'm tired not being able to taste my food correctly. I mean, the food, I can taste it, but not being able to chew it up and somewhat and so on. So I am. I'm very excited. How long have you had to not have dentures? How long has it been that you felt like you wanted them? Well, it only been um, just this part of last summer, last year. And I had got into a program, Miss M. Well, anyway, I had got into a program, and the one that's uh, directed me and everything, she's one of the most kindest ladies that I've ever spoken to. But I'm excited. I'm very excited. I'm ready to taste my food again. (laughs) Yes, ma'am, I am. And so uh, over time, you just um, lost your teeth? Over time? No, I actually had some surgery did in the top of my mouth. I had a large overbite, and they had to cut it back and sit it. And after then, they had pulled teeth and so on and so on. And my teeth was kind of bad anyway because I had pyrrhea in the gum. And after that, she was like, I was like, okay, I got to get me some more teeth. But when I went to 
you know, digging around, it was like $6,400. That was for my top and or bottom dentures. But um, I'm just ready and I'm excited for some new teeth in my mouth. And to be able to get them at, with no cost to you is really uh, wonderful. Yes, ma'am, it is. It's, um, it's another one of God's blessing, as I would say. Yes, ma'am. You're going to have to make a couple of trips, though. They can't do everything today. No. It would, it would be Monday through Friday. Um, today would be the first, actually, day. Friday would be the ended day. They uh, stated that Thursday uh, over the phone. They stated that Thursday that I might will go home with them and come back Friday to see is anything bothering me in my mouth and someone and so on. But I, I mean, it's it's really no problem about coming this far. I mean, I don't have to pay for them, and I'm just excited to get them. George M. Barnes of Monticello with MPB's Desiree Frazier. The School of Dentistry will see adult patients today and tomorrow, third and fourth graders on Friday. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for local Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9, it's Fix It 101. Then at 10, Everyday Tech. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app in any mobile store. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and world.